In the previous podcast, we discussed Pillar 1, which is a unified approach in relation to international taxation and the reallocation of taxing rights um, to market jurisdictions. Today, we're going to discuss Pillar 2, and Pillar 2 concerns the proposals for a global minimum tax. My name is Grant Waddell-Johnson, and I'm joined by Director in our Economics and Tax Centre, Andy Hart. Andy, can you provide a brief outline of what Pillar 2 is about? Yeah, sure. Pillar 2, as Grant said, is really about trying to find a way to get a minimum tax rate around the world that will apply to the profits of multinational enterprises. So, and really to take away any incentive to um, have profits uh, sitting in low tax uh, jurisdictions and to forestall the individual country by country tax initiatives that might otherwise take place as countries seek to um, get what they think is their fair share of tax on the profits of multinational enterprises. So much like Pillar 1, the the objective of Pillar 2 is to take a globally coordinated approach to this issue as opposed to having lots of weird and wonderful unilateral measures. The three key components to actually imposing the global minimum tax are an income inclusion rule, firstly, which very much like Australia's controlled foreign company rules would enable a parent company jurisdiction to attribute the profits uh, of a low taxed foreign subsidiary back to the local parent and then to tax those profits uh, as income of the local parent. The second approach is the so-called taxing back or deduction denial approach, which would allow the jurisdiction of an entity that's making a payment to a foreign related party to deny that entity a tax deduction for the payment if the payment's not being uh, taxed appropriately uh, in the recipient country. That could, uh, as I say, operate through the denial of uh, a deduction or alternatively through the imposition of a withholding tax. Thirdly, we have the so-called switchover rule. Currently, many countries, uh, either unilaterally or through the operation of double tax uh, agreements, uh, provide an exemption for the profits of uh, a foreign permanent establishment or for uh, dividends received from foreign subsidiaries. And the proposition is that if the profits arising in those foreign jurisdictions haven't been subjected to an appropriate level of tax, then the parent jurisdiction would be able to switch over to just allowing a credit for foreign taxes, which, as we anticipate, would be minimal, and then taxing the rest of those profits as opposed to exempting them as it previously may have done. So we have those three interlocking, if you like, or potentially overlapping components of of Pillar 2. The the income inclusion rule, which would be applied by the parent jurisdiction. Uh, The deduction denial, which would be applied by the paying jurisdiction. And the switchover rule, which again would be applied by a parent jurisdiction. What's going to be critical to actually making those things work, as you can imagine, is the effectiveness of the anti-overlap rules that will need to go with them. 
we can't have three countries all at once seeking to apply one or more of these measures to the same amount of profit. So the order of precedence and the anti-overlap provisions are going to be absolutely key to this making sense and, and being a success. So Germany's been advocating a, a sort of a minimum tax rule at least since the early 2000s, and France has re recently joined that call. But what's really interesting is that the US tax reform of 2017-2018 has really changed the landscape here. And the US has introduced a guilty, love the acronym, um, a global um, intangible low-taxed income rule that effectively provides a minimum tax for US subsidiaries. Now, it's calculated on a global basis rather than a jurisdictional basis. And one of the big debates in relation to this is, do you calculate um, a minimum tax based on a global rule or a jurisdictional rule or even an ent entity rule? Uh, where do you see that debate um, shaping out, Andy? That's right, and that's, uh, that's, that's one of the uh, elements of Pillar 2 that the uh, OECD Secretariat is really looking for input from the global community on through the consultation process that it's, that it's currently undertaking. The blending, if you like, of the individual tax rates that apply to a multinational's income around the world to into one rate to see if it's been taxed at the, at the benchmark rate or, or below is you know, quite a, a, a thorny problem that they're looking at. The, the US guilty tax, as, uh, as Grant mentioned, works on a, a globally averaged basis. That obviously has a certain simplicity to it in terms of looking at uh, a multinational enterprise's accounts and looking at its effective tax rate and drawing a conclusion from there. But it's, it's really hard to see how anyone other than the, you know, the parent jurisdiction could levy pillar two tax if the approach is taken to, um, to look at the uh, comparative tax rate on a, on a global basis rather than a jurisdictional basis. The jurisdictional basis would be uh, much more complex to, uh, to apply to a multinational enterprise. We've got to look at a lot more sets of accounts and, and tax returns, but it would enable the countries around the world more easily, I think, to, to apply that deduction denial dimension uh, to the uh, profits of the enterprise to make sure that they get their, their share of the global minimum tax. Looking at it on a by-entity basis has, has some supporters. That's how some individual countries, uh, such as Australia's CFC rules, for example, look at attribution of income of, of subsidiaries. That may be getting too complex for what we're trying to achieve here at an, an OECD level. Personally, I think it's, it's most likely that we'll get a, a jurisdictional basis uh, for blending. Uh, I, I can't see the other two being practically acceptable given the, the, the breadth of countries that are, that are involved in this conversation. And another debate here is which takes priority, the income inclusion rule or the deduction denial rule? And there are about 30-something jurisdictions in the world that have CFC rules. So in some sense, the income inclusion rule fits well in relation to those jurisdictions, and far fewer have deduction denial rules. So that will be part of that debate. I think probably developing countries might prefer a deduction denial rule as against a CFC rule, but we'll see. wait and see how that 
that pans out. Um, the consultation paper in relation to this was released a few weeks ago. There's going to be consultation on the 9th of December in Paris um, on this issue. We would be very pleased to hear your thoughts in relation to the potential issues surrounding uh, a global minimum tax. Um, so please feel free to contact us um, if, you, if you have some input in relation to this. Andy Hutt, thank you very much. I'm Grant Weddle-Johnson. I hope you've enjoyed um, this Pillar 1 and Pillar 2 series. Mm-hmm.